Today is actually kind of a special day in our culture, right? Today is Super Bowl Sunday. And so some of you are like, yeah, and some of you are like, blah, right? Um, I'm one of those that's kind of like, yeah. Um, and the truth is, is that you have two football teams, the best in their conference, having endured roughly 19 physical games, now play for the glory of being called Super Bowl champions. The winners will be praised, and the losers will be left to mourn what might have been. Well, the Super Bowl has really become an integral part of our own culture. Uh, many suggest that the day following the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. And part of that may be for other reasons, just that there may be an issue of soberness that may not quite uh, be the, the, or should, I should say probably be the primary reason that you, you hear people speaking of that. But last year, 99.18 million people in the U.S. watched the Super Bowl. That's down from 2015 at its highest point, which was 114 million people viewing the Super Bowl. That's nearly one-third of the entire U.S. population watches the Super Bowl on this Sunday. That's fascinating. It should fascinate us because it says something about our culture. In face of this kind of tremendous athleticism and abilities and complex schemes, it's easy to see how Dr. Cyril Wecht, who's a well-known pathologist, in fact, he litigated against the, the NFL for the concussion issues, he simply said the NFL owns a day of the week, the same day the church used to own. Now it's theirs. When we think about that for a moment, we think, that we do have a culture that is moved, hasn't it? And this isn't actually an indictment necessarily against football. It's an indictment of where humanity goes to proclaim its glory. And so, as a people, we're created to be worshipers. Not worshipers of creation, but of the Creator. And while there's a place to celebrate and praise the efforts of those who succeed, when, which in this case means those victorious... Our praise is to be directed towards the true source of excellence, God himself. And the excellent or victorious things of this life, as well as the challenging things of this life, are designed to point us towards God. So the truth is, even watching today's game, and you guys know I'm, I love football, watching today's game should point us to God. It should actually redirect our glory from man to God. As followers of Christ, we've been called to praise Him. And so Psalm 150 is a wonderful summary of this calling. Our praise is to God, and it is to not simply be for a day or a season, but it is to be a lifestyle. And so this morning, we're going to be diving into Psalm 150 and looking at what it really means to praise God. When are we to do it? are we to do it? And how are we to do it? So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to be reading from Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. It's the entirety of the chapter. And this is what it says. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him in His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. 
Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we come before you to praise your name. Lord God, may these words of praising the Lord may not, may not be just an exclamation of something that we say when things are good, but may they be declaration all throughout our lives. Father, teach us today to be people who praise you in all things. And may it be so that all things that have breath praise you. Lord, in our own hearts, show us those areas that are getting the glory where you're not. And Father, may we direct our praise to you that you might receive the glory that you're due. Father, move me aside this morning. Let us each hear from you as your Spirit speaks through your Word. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Simply put, praising God glorifies Him in victory and in loss. Praising God glorifies Him in victory and in loss. Praising glorifies. That's what praising God does, is it glorifies Him. And we're each called to praise the Lord. And so verse 1 immediately declares, praise the Lord. Now this is interesting. In the book of Psalms, you actually have, we don't often break it down this way, but in Psalms we have five books. If you go through, the Psalms are actually broken down into five books. And one of the things that you'll notice in, the, in, the, in this fifth book is specifically its direction from redemption towards praise. And as you look at this, these last chapters of the Psalms, starting in chapter 107, you'll begin to see this kind of thematic shift. You'll see this redemption, kind of the the past work of God, the crying out to God, and that the Psalms then end in its last six chapters with everything being focused solely on God. One of the commentators I read actually noted a point that was quite interesting, and he said, listen, Psalm isn't just a book of poetry, but it's prophetic. These last six chapters point you to the glory to come in Christ's presence, where we will no longer be declaring before the Lord, oh, help me, oh, help me, oh, help me. But we will see his glory fulfilled and realized, and we will stand before him simply in worship and adoration. That's a great thing to look forward to. That that is the redeeming part of the story. How often do we hear these words, praise the Lord? Right? We, we exclaim them. 
we never hear anybody hit their thumb with a hammer and say, praise the Lord. You will today, you'll hear people kind of, I don't know, when I was growing up in church, pastors, I'd hear guys from pulpits say, you know, come up with clever phrases, right? I mean, if you're really saying praise the Lord when you hit your thumb, I really want to know what's going on inside your head, right? <laughs> um, and so the reality is, is that for most of us, we don't think when things are rough, praise the Lord. Our first response is, help me, Lord. And that's an okay place to be. But we cry help for other reasons. Because we're acknowledging who He is. And so, our lives actually testify to the truth of who God is. Our words testify to the truth of who God is. And so, do we really understanding what we're saying when we say, praise the Lord? I think it's easy and often that we confuse praise with thanks. Often we say praise the Lord when what we really mean is thank you, Lord. We need to recognize that our lives either testify to the truth or they diminish people's ability to see God's glory. A few years back I was reading this passage in Yosemite. And I was sitting in the campground across the river there from the main lodge there in Yosemite. And I was going through this passage and I was reflecting on it. And verse 3 kind of jumped out to me. It said, praise him with a trumpet sound. And it's interesting here when he says, praise him with a trumpet sound, praise him with a lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. And as I sat and was meditating on this passage, I began to notice music coming from the lodge. And almost instantly, it was the clarity of a trumpet. And the trumpet that was playing Amazing Grace. In that moment, it became infinitely clear to me what God meant by the trumpet declaring praise. See, praising Him is about revealing His glory, His majesty, and breaking through this wonderful, beautiful creation was a trumpet playing amazing grace. You couldn't help but sense the presence of God. And you couldn't help but praise Him for who He is. You see, as followers of Christ, we have a hope that the world doesn't have. And this is why we can praise Him, and why we can praise Him, even regardless of what is taking place in our life. Now, this is different than positive thinking. Our our culture wants to make praise positive thinking. Right? Just think positively. Just think well about things. Now, I know many Christians, and at times myself, who could benefit by thinking positively. But praise is not positive thinking. See, positive thinking comes from self. But praise is rooted in God and who He is. 
The Hebrew word for praise here is the word hallelujah. And it literally means to admire, to boast, or exclaim. Now, a lot of people, I think, shy away from this terminology of boast, but I think it's the very best word to describe hallelujah. It's boasting of who God is. We're good at boasting about ourselves, meaning we can find things about ourselves to be boastful of. It doesn't mean that we're, we're all boastful. But the reality is, is praise is boasting of who God is. It's like going to that person's house and all they want to do is talk about their kids, right? And you're like, I'm kind of done. Um, like, I like your kids and all, but they're not Jesus, right? That doesn't mean, don't tell me the positive things about your kids. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about those that never stop talking about the positive things of their kids. But we should be like that with Jesus. That we never stop thinking and talking about the things of Jesus. About how good he is. That's what we want to be doing. That's what praise is is it's boasting, it's admiring, and it's exclaiming, it's telling. So praise is not just something that occurs in our hearts and minds, but it's also something that we exclaim, that we tell. We can't wait. And so we're praising God. Stephen Cole adds that praise deals with thinking and or speaking well of God's perfect attributes or great acts. Hebrews 13, 15 adds, Through Christ, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. I love that. Offer up a sacrifice of praise continually. We often think about praying without ceasing. Do we think about praising without ceasing? God's calling us as believers to praise Him. So if our lives are going to be characterized by praise, then we need to understand what praise is from a biblical perspective. See, we often seek to worship or praise God in our own ways. We kind of try to define praise according to our own terms. Yet the Lord has made it clear how we're to praise Him for the purpose of His glory. He's made it clear. So living lives marked by praise demands us to praise God in a few ways. The first that we see here is in verse 1, and it's everywhere. Living lives marked by praise demands us to praise God everywhere. Verse 1, praise God in His sanctuary. Now this is in the fellowship of believers we're to praise. We come together on Sunday morning and we praise God. One of the reasons that we sing together and share together is we are exclaiming God's glory together. One of the things that happens in Christ's church often around corporate worship and praise is that we simplify it or compartmentalize it into different factions. So there's kind of this idea that singing together is simply for teaching together because Colossians says that we teach through hymns. And then we have this other side that is just exclamatory 
where all it is is repetitive, meditative statements. And then we have kind of this other ground that is kind of not necessarily deep theology or kind of meditative reflection, but then telling of the story of simply how I've benefited from the mercy and grace of God. And what happens is we can often land very heavily in any one of those areas. But praising God actually is a combination of all those things. It's a bringing together of the contemplative, the meditative, and then the truthful response to what God has done. So both who He is and what He's done. And so our praise of the Lord is to move forward with an eyes that are focused on Him. And we do that corporately together to remind one another who God is but also to be encouraged by one another that we are people who are called to worship the Lord in praise. One pastor put it this way. He said, I believe a local church exists to do corporately what each Christian believer should be doing individually, and that is to worship God. It is to reflect the glories of Christ ever shining upon us through the ministries of the Holy Spirit. That's what God has called us to do. So we come together. Now, I share this as a course correction for a lot of us in our inner thinking. Sometimes we can think, ah, I got the message today. It's okay. Skipping worship is all right. The problem with it is our faith is holistic. When we gather together, When we sing together, it's as important as hearing God's Word together. Now, God's Word is the center of what we do. But don't cheapen the gathering by suggesting that less parts or other parts are less important than others. What did the Israelites do before they went into battle? They sang and praised God together. What are we called to do? Sing and praise God together. Not because you have to sing to praise God, but because singing is one of the ways in which we praise God together. And so as believers, we need to see that we don't need to compartmentalize our faith or our gathering, but worshiping God Praising God is a total and holistic experience, not holistic in this earthy kind of way, but holistic in the fact that God, as he works through his word and the proclamation of his word, also is working through our time, gathering as we're singing and praising and exclaiming his glory. It's important. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's awesome. What is our calling? Our calling is to proclaim his excellencies. That's what we're doing when we praise God. 
We're proclaiming His excellencies. So we do it in the corporate gathering with believers, but then we also do it individually within His creation. See, it says, praise Him in His mighty heavens. So, in essence, in every place under the sky, we should praise Him. This idea, or heavens, can be translated as expanse. It's basically saying, all things under God's creative expanse are to praise Him. And everywhere they are to praise Him. So wherever you're at, we should be exclaiming the excellencies of God. We do it individually. We do it in His creation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. You see, God's creation is designed to proclaim His glory. And yet, we often fail. Romans 1.20-21 through 21 reminds us that for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. God's creation is designed to point us to Him. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. For those of us that are present, we need to understand that clearly. Don't look at the order of the world and reject the Creator who made it. For those who are wrestling with the truth of who Jesus is, I want to encourage you. Creation is not to be worshipped, but the Creator is. The creation tells a story of the beauty of God. Picture the most beautiful place that you've ever seen. God's Word says that it is broken, fallen, and in a state of decay. That when He comes and restores a new heaven and a new earth, what we consider beautiful today, we can't imagine the beauty that will exist. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yosemite is broken and in a state of decay. The fjords in the Netherlands are broken and in a state of decay. Yellowstone is broken and in a state of decay. And one day we're restored to its perfect beauty. Now that gives me hope. Because as perfect as I am, I'm going to be even more perfect. Think about that for a moment. In our own world, we try to salvage ourselves, don't we? We think of ourselves in this state and we forget that we're broken. That our bodies are broken, our creation is broken, and God will redeem it one day. And you guys know that I'm kidding about being perfect because I am the farthest thing from it. But that gives us hope. It is the reason that we can praise God. Because He is worthy of praise a game today, a football game, and the excellent things that are done in that game point to a God who is even greater. 
See, the real question is, are we pre- prepared to see His glory? Are we willing to look at His creation and praise Him for it? A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, God will speak to the hearts of those who prepare themselves to hear, and conversely, those who do not so prepare themselves will hear nothing. Not even the word of God is falling upon their outer ears every Sunday. Are we ready to see and hear the excellencies of God? When we walk out these doors, when we walk in this building, when I look at each person, am I ready to see them as a person who was made in the image of God and praise the Lord for them? I was doing a funeral yesterday for somebody. And I'm always a little leery to tell stories given that we're on camera, but I'll share it anyway. During the funeral for the woman who had passed away. Her son greeted me at the door of this mortuary, and I loved it. He was standing at the door, and he walked up with a big, booming voice. And uh, he said, you're the pastor. And I said, yes, I'm the pastor. And, uh, And he said, awesome. He goes, uh, I, I was Catholic, but now I'm Christian. And I go to a Christian Pentecostal church because I wanted to play it safe. I said, okay. And uh, he was just a wonderful man that um, he's been, he's on the autism spectrum. And um, he was a wonderful blessing as he shared. Because he shared very loudly then at that moment. He said, oh, I'm so grateful. He goes, I follow Christ. And everybody's kind of stopped at this door looking at him. And I said, I follow Christ too. And he said, you know, there's only one true God, and it's Jesus. And I said, you're right. There is only one true God, and it is found in Christ. And I stood there. And I shared with Elisa, who was with me as we walked inside, I said, what a refreshing blessing just of the aspect of he is who he is. And he's unashamed to praise the Lord. We need to be a people who are unashamed to praise the Lord, to declare his goodness and his beauty. I thought, what a blessing. He doesn't see the world so in the same way that we see it often, with the constraints and the niceties. All he knew was he wanted to exclaim the glory of God. What a blessing. The second thing here in terms of praising God that we see in this passage is that our praise, while it's to be everywhere, it's also to be regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of our circumstances. Verse 2 says here, praise Him for His mighty deeds. So how do we praise Him? We praise Him first for His work. We praise Him for His work. How do I praise God in the midst of the storms of my life? I begin by praising Him for His work. Now let me be clear about this. 
Praising God in the midst of storms, this praising Him for His work can be quite difficult. Why? Because if we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, which we do, when we're in the midst of our storms, we also believe that God can take us out of those storms. And if God so chooses not to take us out of those storms, but give us the strength in the midst of them to endure, that can be frustrating. But God has called us to praise Him. And He says here to praise Him for His mighty deeds. This isn't thanking Him for letting us have a great meal. This isn't thanking Him for giving us a, straight, a, a safe trip to L.A. This is praising Him for the work that He has done. The saving work that He's done through Jesus. The redeeming work. The providing work where He has pro- provided provision for us and made a way for salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus being raised on the third day overcoming death, shedding His blood for our sin, and then granting salvation to all those who repent and believe on Him. That's a work that we can praise God for even when all is lost. We can praise God for the creation of medicine. We can praise God for creating people who are much smarter than us. We can praise God for His work in our lives when we never even notice it. Have you ever stood back and responded to something and then three or four minutes later you go, oh, the old self would have never responded that way. And you kind of step back and you're like, thank you, Lord, I did nothing for that except to submit to you. And now, look what's happening in my life. We can praise God for that work. Hebrews 2, 10 through 11 says, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. Matthew Henry goes on and he adds this thing, and I love it. He says, the nearer good Christians come to their end, the fuller they should be of the praises of God. The closer that we we, we are to death, the longer that we've lived, the more easily it should be for us to praise the Lord because of how we've experienced Him. I really do believe that often we don't praise God enough Because we're not sure what to praise him about. And this is where the psalmist is directing our praise. First for his work and then secondly for his attributes. For his attributes, who he is. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Isaiah 6, 2 through 3 says, Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
the steadfast love of God, His righteousness, His omnipotence, meaning He's all-powerful, His omniscience, He's all-knowing, His omnipresent, meaning He's always present. These are things that we can praise God for. I know in my own life, this last year, there were times lying in a hospital bed feeling completely and utterly alone, but being reminded that God was with me. And let's not make that more trite. Let's not say that that's always easy. But we praise God because of who we know God to be. The reason we praise other people's excellencies is because we see them and we know them. We have to know them. We have to know Christ in order to praise His excellencies. We have to be able to have an understanding of who God is. A passive faith is not going to praise God. Honestly. Because in order to praise God, I need to be growing in my understanding of who He is. I need to remember the attributes of who He is. Understanding those attributes allow me to praise who He is. It's kind of like when you get married. Hopefully you don't stop learning your spouse. You should be learning your spouse every day. And there will come a point where you will say, nobody knows me better than my spouse, and I know my spouse better than anybody else. But I hope you never come to a place to say, I know everything about them. With the Lord, we need to have the same pursuit. I need to know everything about this Lord. Because when I do, as I'm seeking Him, the Lord is revealing more to me about who He is through His Word, and I can praise Him accordingly, according to His excellent greatness. Now, I just want you to listen to these verses for a moment. I'm just going to read them, and I want you to listen. Deuteronomy 4.31 says, For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. Compassionate, faithful, victorious, covenant-keeping God. Psalm 73, 26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. God is our strength. He's our portion, our gift, our value, our meaning, our worth. Psalm 104, 24 through 25. O Lord, how many are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. There is the sea, great and broad, in which are, in which are swarms without number, animals both small and great. He is the creator of the heavens 
and all of the earth. Everything below the seas, everything above the seas. He is the creator of light, and He is the giver of light. He is all-powerful with sovereign authority over everything. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is a personal Savior. He's not a distant Savior, one who is personal. And Psalm 33, 8-9, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. This is the God who has the power to speak things into existence. This is a God that saves through His Word. This is a God whose Word brings glory to His name. The third thing that we're called here to do then in praising God is that we're to do it with everything we have, including our talents and resources. Everything we have, including our talents and resources. Our trumpets, our lutes, our harps, our tambourines and dance. You guys won't find me praising God that way. <laughs> Strings and pipe. Not because I'm against it, just because I can't do it. Um, sounding symbols and clashing symbols. Ultimately, everything was created to reflect God's glory. Everything. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Even things like our giving is an act of praise. Philippians 4.18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. We're to use everything we have for His praise. Everything for His praise. So we're to do it everywhere. We're to do it regardless of our circumstances. We're to do it with everything. And A.W. Tozer adds here, what is there that you that you what is there in you that strives to worship God? He says faith, love, obedience, loyalty, conduct of life, all of these strives in you to worship God. Is there anything within you that refuses to worship? There is nothing within you then that worships God very well. You are not worshiping God as you should if you have departmentalized your life so that some areas worship and other parts do not. God has called us to be worshipers in every aspect of our life. So everywhere, regardless of our circumstances, with everything, for everyone, everyone, we're to worship every one of us all the time. He concludes in verse 6, let everything that has breath 
praise the Lord, praise the Lord. G. Campbell Morgan puts it simply when he says, the one condition of praise is the possession of breath. That is to say, life received from him must return in praise to him. The fact that we are living, God has called us to proclaim and praise his name. And this praise is not when I simply feel like it. On the contrary, it's ongoing. We're commanded to praise Him all the time. Again, that's easier said than done. I want to encourage you that if you're struggling to praise the Lord, to start with who God is. Your praise may be interacted and intertwined with disappointment. Your praise may be intertwined with prayer. Your praise may be intertwined with silence. But begin to declare the things that you know to be true. And to begin to declare the things that you can declare. Our circumstances don't change who God is. But our circumstances can distort how we feel about those things. And I want to encourage you to praise God. Start where you can. Start with the attributes that you do know. One of the things that was helpful for me in the hospital, when I wrestled with this idea of, God, you have the power to remove me from this, but you continue to allow me to go through it. Was being reminded already of what God had done. That my hope was not this life. That my hope was in the life to come. That God was caring for me. And that things that were worries of my heart, the cares for my family, that God had cared for me and therefore He would care for them. When we praise God, start with where you can. And you'll be amazed how God will move amongst your own heart to help you praise Him where you didn't think you could. And what you will find is as you praise God, all of a sudden your eyes are lifted from this to Him. And you begin to proclaim His glories. This week when I got home from man camp and I, I got COVID, I, I want to be clear that I did not get COVID up at man camp. Um, I'm sure I got it before I went. I didn't have any symptoms, but I got up there and got a head cold on Saturday. But I got home and I was just discouraged. Had a good weekend and I got back and I thought, Oh, one more thing, really? 
And for you guys, you guys know that often for this, it means a battery of tests and different things, and it doesn't matter what happens. And it was just like another blow. And I, I sat there on Sunday night, and I just prayed. I got, I don't get this. And it really feels like one thing after another. And I'm just tired. The next morning, I had the opportunity to speak with somebody that I would have never had the opportunity to speak with had I not been sick that day. I prayed for this person, and they wept. I got off the phone, and I'm like, okay, God, you're working. And I just really struggled to see it. And I sat on my bed and I just praised the Lord. That in the difficulty of it, that the Lord is still working and is good and his words can be trusted. For many of us, we need to be reminded constantly of who God is and what he's done. And that our lives are to be ones of praise and so today, I want to encourage you, when you watch the football game, praise God. Praise Him for the gifts and abilities that He's given Him. If the Eagles win and the Chiefs will lose, <laughs> I, praise Him either way. If you're not watching football and you could care less about it, praise him for who he is. If you walk out the doors and you see the sun, thank him for being the creator of that light and warmth. Begin seeing all the ways that God is revealing himself to us through the magnificence of his creation but a creation that points to his even greater excellency. Remember that the world that you live in is fallen and broken. We are fallen and broken, and the creation is fallen and broken. And then think, how much more beautiful and majestic is a perfect God and his perfect creation? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are, for the goodness that you have displayed towards us. May we be a people who praise you everywhere, regardless of our circumstances, with everything. And may we do it all the time, every one of us. Father, help us to exclaim your glories, to boast of your glories, and to truly stand in awe of your glories each day. Let us praise you now with one voice, and we ask these things in your name. Amen.